Welcome back to Have a Cuppa Unmasked, a podcast dedicated to beating the stigma of invisible illnesses. This podcast is designed to raise awareness of invisible illnesses, but also bring comfort to those people like myself who have an invisible illness, from mental health all the way through to chronic conditions. But we can't do it alone. So please do share this with your friends and family to help us beat the stigma together. But for now, grab a cuppa, sit back and enjoy the latest episode. Hello and welcome back to another podcast with me, Helena Mitchell. I'm going to dive straight on in today because I am very excited about my guest today. A little bit fangirling here. I've got Georgia Holiday. Hi. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you? I'm doing okay. Had a bit of a rough weekend like we were just chatting about before yeah. we started recording. Bit of a flare up, but anyone that is listening that has a chronic illness will feel me yeah <laughs> just one of those things unfortunately but I'm a lot better today thank you keeping it real keeping it real absolutely <laughs> always always feel like the people listening on this podcast will really understand what we're talking about um but do you want to introduce yourself and what it is that you that you do have the chronic illness that you are talking about Absolutely. So my name is Georgia Holiday. Um, I am a weight neutral personal trainer and also a self-worth and confidence coach and I have fibromyalgia. Um, so fibromyalgia for anyone that doesn't know or hasn't heard of it, in my opinion it's one of like the hardest ones to say. Yeah. <laughs> like why did I get the one that's hard to say? No one can say it, which is so annoying. I'm I just so I just call it fibro. I just, you know, yep. I just say I'm having, you know, fibro. <laughs> um so fibromyalgia is basically um it's a chronic pain syndrome. So people that suffer from it experience a like vast range of symptoms. Mm. Um but for a lot of people it generally tends to be widespread pain through the body and in the muscles um it can also include kind of like chronic headaches um as well as uh like fatigue side of things as well and brain fog which we call fibro fog yeah. um, so it's basically where um you have like sort of cognitive uh, difficulties so for me personally that manifests as like sometimes like I'll, I'll slur my words or like trip on my words or I right. can't, I can think what I want to say, but I can't always say it. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it manifests differently for a lot of different people. And it's one of the like more difficult um, chronic illnesses to diagnose because there are no tests for it. Okay. Like you can't have a blood test for it or anything like that. Um, so it's very difficult to get diagnosed. You kind of have to have everything else crossed off. Mm. And then they're sort of like, yeah, you've got fibromyalgia. Um, so it's, it always, it, people that I've spoken to, you know, friends I have that have it as well. It's always a long journey to getting diagnosed because it is so difficult to pick up on because there's a lot of symptoms that you have that are very similar to other things as well. Right. Um, so, so similar to lupus in a way. Um, yeah, it's yeah. quite easy to get misdiagnosed. Absolutely. So before we go diving on into um, your journey and tips on how you cope and things, I just want to briefly talk about what it is that you you do for a living because I find it really interesting. And um, you have got 
an amazing podcast out yourself. And it's one that I listen to every time. I was telling you before we started recording this that um, it's my go-to in the car podcast because I don't know about anyone else, but I find driving incredibly stressful and your podcast just really gives me a focus and a calmness as well. Um, So if you haven't already gone and, and checked it out, please do. I will pop a link in the uh, description of this podcast so that you can go and check it out but um, I highly recommend it and I was actually listening to it yesterday and <laughs> I was just telling you wasn't I how I, I actually stayed in the car after I'd parked up because I wanted to finish the podcast before I got back in I loved it that much so um, do you want to just that. tell everyone <laughs> I know obsessed literally obsessed do you want to just tell everyone a little bit about your podcast and 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 also about your job and like what it actually entails and and what you do and, and how like what why did you choose that job what kind of made you get into that yeah, of course. So for, let's start with the podcast. So my podcast is called The Selfful Podcast. So the reason for the name is because a lot of what I do and um, the reason why I started my personal development journey was a lot to do with self-care. Mm. So and then a lot of women have this objection to self-care because they think it's selfish. So yeah. I started saying this thing saying it's not selfish, it's self-full. You're filling nice. yourself up. I like that. Um, hence the idea of, you know, the name, the Selfful Podcast. Yeah. So the podcast is all about uh, gathering the tools to live a life where you are putting yourself first, setting boundaries, doing the inner work um, to build your confidence and your self-worth. So it's um, a mixture of solo episodes with just myself. Some of them are as short as eight minutes. Some of them yeah. are a lot longer. And I also have guests on the podcast as well. And we talk about a range of different topics to really kind of support people's personal growth journeys because I am obsessed with personal growth <laughs> that is why I made it my job yeah because um, so... you because you also touch on um meditation and stuff don't you because yes. I know that um there's been kind of a common theme with all of my guests um saying that meditation has really helped them and for me I've tried the meditation and and even since doing this podcast and speaking to everyone and learning about different tips and stuff like that of how to kind of approach it, I still find it so difficult and it's just something that, you know, I don't know about anyone else listening, but it's just one of those things that for some reason I am just finding so difficult to grasp and actually um, be consistent with. I'm very good at being consistent and and holding myself accountable for many things in my life, but mindfulness and meditation is one of the things that I keep finding myself just pushing to the side. And I would rather just work or keep myself busy and active, so that I kind of almost as a distraction, you know. And 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 then yeah. I go, oh well, I didn't have time for that today. I'll try it again another day. And then it, you know, it gets to a month down the line, and I've realised I've still not done it. And I sat down yesterday because I noticed you had a a five minute meditation one, and I just thought, do you know what? The reason why I've probably not fully given it a go or gone for it, and and you know, downloaded all these mindfulness apps and all of this stuff that's out there readily available. It's because I'm scared because I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but I don't particularly cope well with change. And there's been so much change this year that I'm always like, oh, I don't want to, you know, put myself 
willingly through another change. Let's just keep it for now. So if there is anyone, I mean, I could be alone in this. Everyone could be laughing at me right now. But um, if there is anyone else out there who is also struggling with with um, getting into this whole mindfulness stuff and and meditation, but knows that it probably will benefit them. What advice do you have? Yeah, so I want to start with saying you absolutely are not alone in that. There are <laughs> so many people that also struggle with like meditation, mindfulness, yeah. and just generally slowing down. Yeah. Are you are you a high achiever? Like, yes. Would you? Yes. Yeah. So that's also why you will be finding it difficult to slow down because people okay. that are high achievers, they it's like they don't give themselves permission to rest because yes. we often when we're high achieve, we place a lot of our worth on achievements and being mm-hmm. productive and, you know, hitting goals. So when yeah. we slow down, it's like, oh, uh, I don't know how to do this because we're so used to go, go, go. Yeah, like um, even so on a weekend, I reason. freak out. I yeah. literally freak out. I'll be like, oh my gosh, but I've got so much that I need to do and I need to get it done. And, you know, I'll get to the end of the day and be like, oh, I haven't, achieved this this and this rather than looking at what I have achieved you know Mm. so it's about trying to initially switch that mindset and then approaching meditation and mindfulness absolutely so for anyone else that is listening and they also struggle with you know this idea of meditation or mindfulness or just generally slowing down Mm. the first thing that I would encourage you to do is kind of explore why you think that is because there will be a reason why you are why you have that resistance whether it is fear whether it is some kind of limiting belief that is holding you back there is going to be something um that is kind of stopping you from doing something that you know is going to be good for yourself do you know what it's essentially self-sabotage yeah exactly like i don't know about anyone else listening but I've tried really hard to kind of think about what what my reason is. And I genuinely believe it is because I've got all these conditions. I feel this need to prove to people that I'm that I can achieve, that I am just as good as anyone else. And that, Mm. you know, I I can do more than what the average person can do. And I'm not someone to just be kind of, you know, thrown to the sidelines because I've got chronic illness and I've got conditions and I don't want to be labeled and so it's that kind of stubbornness to prove to myself and the world that I am worthy and that I am worth something that makes me want to do that you know absolutely and then what I would challenge you on that is where does this idea of needing other people's validation come from Mm, right like why do you need to prove it to other people yeah because it's always so much deeper than what we think it is surface level so yeah for example what you said there like totally true I actually like that makes total sense it's like this idea that you know we don't want to be labeled as lazy or not good enough Mm. or you know not successful because of these conditions that we have and we don't want them to hold us back yeah um but then also like there is a point where we have to accept we do have these conditions. Yeah. Like, no, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. for the time being, anyway, we ha- this is the reality. And we have to look after ourselves and slow down and take the time. And mm. we can still be successful and do all of the things whilst having it. It might take a little longer than, like, the average person, but we can still yeah. do those things. But often when we're 
trying to prove ourselves to other people it's because on some level there's something there you know maybe whether it's from childhood or a past experience where you know we're trying to prove our worth prove we're good enough um certain there'll be a certain element of like people pleasing there as well possibly yeah yeah so there's it's so multifaceted um but for anyone that is struggling I would just say start small like don't kind of say okay I'm gonna meditate for 20 minutes every day because that is (laughs) totally (laughs) overwhelming if you've never like meditated before yeah like that's so full-on and also just drop any expectations that you have because meditation isn't there to like turn you into a Buddhist monk. <laughs> it's there just to give you like a little moment of peace and quiet and mm. take time for yourself. So I think a lot of people struggle with meditation because they assume and expect that the first time they do it, they're gonna have this like transformative, enlightening experience. <laughs> and that's not always the case. You might just sit there for 10 minutes with an itchy nose thinking about what you're gonna have for dinner. Yeah. And like, sometimes that is what meditation is and yeah. that's okay. The goal of meditation isn't to get good at meditation. It's simply to just meditate and just take that time. Yeah, that's so Mm. true. So I would say just drop the expectations and just start somewhere. Even if it's just like starting with one minute or, you know, just just a couple of minutes just every day just to get into the habit. Because once you've got the habit going, you can add onto it and you can build it up. Yeah, that's such good advice. That's such good advice. So, So what is it that kind of, made you interested in your career and kind of made you go that's what I want to be and that's what I want to do was there anything that you know is this something that you've always wanted to do since you were a kid or or did it change yeah so no it's not something that I always saw in my future it's um as with a lot of people that do what I do so I'm essentially a a coach a lot of people that do this they want to share that because of the experience they've been through so for me personally I went on a big personal development and growth journey within the last sort of three years or so and I've changed so so much as a person Mm. um, and learned so much and you know uncovered and explored all of my limiting beliefs and stories and narratives that made up who you know I thought I was and it's allowed me to challenge that and just really transform into someone that I'm really proud of being rather yeah. than just living my life for other people. Cause I was a massive people pleaser. I would always put everyone else before myself to the point where it did burn me out. I got really unwell. I was having, you know, severe anxiety attacks every day. Right. And there was just a point where I was like, I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> um, so I, I, changed I totally something. feel that. I feel like maybe quite a lot of our listeners have felt that at some point this year you know for me that kind of I can't do this anymore sort of feeling of anxiety has been so recent for me so how did you I mean I feel like there's probably a lot of us that can relate to that and a lot of us that have gone right something needs to change I just have no idea what or how so what was that what and how for you So for me, I started um, listening to all the podcasts that I could, reading Mm. all the books that I could. um, Were they self-help books or like on anxiety and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So it was all kind of self-help. To help with my anxiety, one of the biggest things that helped me was meditation. Right. Massively. Massively. Um, And also journaling. So journaling, meditation um, and also therapy because mm. I think let's be open and honest about it. Th- yeah. Therapy is very much still a taboo, but yes. it's an amazing, incredible thing. 
And if you feel like you need therapy, go get therapy. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, it yeah. will help you. Or at least just it try it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it might take a couple of uh, tries to find mm. someone that works for you, but there will be someone that can help you. Yeah. And that is qualified to help you. Like no one is a lost cause. Um, so, I, yeah, I tried lots of different things. And then um, I worked uh, with a coach as well which is why I got into what I do because I realized that I could help people get out of feeling how I felt in the past because for me it was just like it was so um it was such a horrible place to be emotionally on top of like everything that I was experiencing um with my chronic illness because at the time I wasn't diagnosed oh right okay um I only actually got diagnosed with my fibro last year Oh, wow. So really recent. Really recent. Yeah. But I've been struggling with it for about 10 years. I was going to say, so how, so you first got, was it you first got symptoms 10 years ago or you've been in the process of being diagnosed with the doctors and stuff for the last 10 years? Like how, how did your journey really start? So I, I, my symptoms kind of started 10 years ago and it has mm. progressively sorry for anyone listening got worse yeah <laughs> um I always hate saying that because I like I'm, I'm a very positive person so yeah. I don't like you know but you need to be like, real as well truth. you know yeah, yeah we exactly. don't want to we don't want to you know this podcast is not about making it all seem yeah <laughs> making it all seem like life is amazing because sometimes life isn't but it's about just oh, going that's okay and you're yeah, not alone so <laughs> absolutely 100 so i'm 26 so it started when i was 16 which mm. is very young yeah for fibro um and i was a dancer at the time right. so i kind of just assumed that i was in pain because of that dance yeah um, yeah yeah 100 but <laughs> i feel you <laughs> um so yeah but so it was a few years it was going on and i was seeing kind of like physios and um yeah. osteopaths and all that kind of thing um and it was actually looking back hindsight is a wonderful thing yes i think now with all the research i've done the people i've spoken to i think the reason that i developed fibro was because when i was 16 i also had glandular fever which is quite a nasty virus yeah this is very interesting yeah and this is why it's actually quite annoying to me that there's a lot of people that are just very like not not taking COVID seriously because yes. yes you might be healthy and fine but if you get it it's not just a cold for seven days you could then have a chronic illness for the rest of your life yeah no totally so so, so you were quite um I mean I know you're quite invested in it now and that's probably partly to do with your your career and, and your job but at the time so when you were you know 16 17 were you invested in it then or were you very much of the mindset of oh here's just some aches and pains let's just hang out with my friends and ignore the problem yeah I literally had absolutely no idea I hadn't even heard of like chronic illness let alone fibromyalgia I I had absolutely no idea and I then continued to push myself through like being a dancer uh, for the next uh like four years which made it progressively worse Mm. um I ended up in A&E a couple of times I couldn't walk um yeah and that was because of the the condition it was and it was also because um I had a a bulging disc as well so I feel like it was all connected right I feel as though because I pushed through all of that it then created new trauma and it's all like very catch-22 yeah did any of the 
physios and and the A and E people and all these people that you saw during that time did any of them ever mention it or or nope, you know not at all wow okay not at all I hadn't even heard of fibromyalgia until maybe two years ago mm. um and it's which is you know like I was saying earlier fibro is one of the harder conditions to diagnose or yeah. recognize or pick up on and like sadly not many doctors or specialists or healthcare practitioners they they don't know much about it yeah They're, they don't have a lot of knowledge about it well probably same as a lot of chronic illnesses unfortunately yeah. they don't know a lot about it so there's not and is that due to do. kind of funding of research and stuff or what do you think possibly I mean, yeah, it, it could be definitely, I think, obviously, the NHS is probably severely underfunded anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think as well, just like generally, the, the, yeah, the knowledge around it, the knowledge that they get taught in like medical school, I suppose, mm. maybe isn't there. Um, because even like even when I got diagnosed, shouldn't really tell me much about it or what that would mean or anything like that. It was It was actually just kind of like, my diagnosis was looking back like it was actually quite traumatic because it was just kind of flung at me or just a word that was flung at me quite um like quite casually it's so almost it's, like it's they were guessing much, yeah it was very much right. like oh yeah so you know we think you've got fibromyalgia and I was like okay so what you know what does that mean because yeah. I've done a lot <laughs> of research myself before that because I think when you're someone living with a chronic illness you learn to be <laughs> Aware. your own doctor <laughs> yeah yeah you learn to be aware and really in tune of your body don't you exactly you do a lot of research and you know you, you have to because you yeah. have to go to these appointments slightly equipped so, to fight for a diagnosis or something or some kind yeah. of health so you don't get pushed because, to the side ex- which I did for years yeah. I got pushed to the side for years because you know quote unquote you're too young to be in that much pain yes exactly like, well that's great but I am <laughs> Do you find actually that, um, you know, being a dancer and stuff, because I don't know if anyone else um, listening knows, I I trained in musical theatre, so I'm very much kind of, I was doing lots of dance and things like that as well. And Mm. I too had all of these aches and pains and I just thought, oh, it must be because I'm dancing a lot. And when I went to any of the doctors and they said, oh, so what do you do? What do you like to do? You know, the general kind of chit chat that they make to just fill the time. Yeah. I would say, oh, I'm I I do dance. I'm studying musical theatre, and I found that instantly, they would then not take me seriously, and they would yeah. just think that I'm being over dramatic and attention seeking, and it really angered me, <laughs> because 100%. I was like, that's not the case. I'm telling you that I am in a lot of pain. And just because, I don't know about you, but I have quite a high pain threshold. So because I'm in so much pain generally anyway, I Mm. had kind of, that became my normal. So when I was telling them, you know, the classic scale, how much does this hurt between one and 10, 10 being agony and one, you're fine. I'd be Mm. like, oh, probably about five or six. And so they didn't really take me serious when actually for anyone else, that probably could have been maybe an eight or a nine but yeah. they just said oh you know you're really over you, you're just probably being a bit over dramatic and you'll be fine and all this stuff and it's like no it's so harmful <laughs> it's so harmful because also the thing is that I don't think they realize is when you've lived with this chronic pain for so many years like mm. and it is years usually before yeah. it's diagnosed it but what you know what um 
and you know the average person that doesn't have a chronic illness chronic pain illness um might say is painful is our normal that's our like base level so yeah. to someone else that is very painful but to us like that's a good day yes <laughs> so exactly if, you know, yeah it's it's it's, that's the day not... we go to the gym <laughs> exactly and it's it's void using that kind of pain scale because yes on a good day it might be a five but yeah. to someone else without a chronic pain you know illness that is a 10 and also so it's like it's not comparable and also like exactly it's not comparable you know everyone's pain is different that's the one thing that as human beings we cannot understand is yeah. I genuinely believe that no one can fully understand your level of pain because it's not like you can jump into someone else's body and go, oh, okay, well, compared to that person's pain, my pain is actually probably about here. You can't do that. So you have no. to just do it based on your experience of pain throughout your life. So if you're yeah. someone who has had a lot of pain in their life, then naturally your number is probably going to be a bit lower than someone who's been very lucky and never experienced pain. And I just find it so frustrating. I don't know about anyone else. Um, but what were your symptoms? So I, and what were your symptoms and uh, at the very beginning? And then how did they develop? And, and are they kind of, I don't know, is there kind of a stereotypical symptoms that people should be looking out for or is it all very yeah. individual? So it is quite individual, but there are kind of like some main um, symptoms that you would possibly experience from fibro. Yeah. So at the beginning for me, it was predominantly um, back pain. So I'd get a lot of soreness on my back mm. um, and around my hips and headaches um, as well as a little bit of fatigue. Mm. So what they did when they um, diagnosed me is they do, um, they test for like trigger points or tender points in the body for fibro. Yeah. Because basically what fibromyalgia is, is it's not actually, let me try and get this right. <laughs> I don't fully understand it myself. So what it is, it's, it's actually something in the brain. It's like a chemical in the brain or something that sends heightened pain signals to somewhere in the body, right. even though there's actually nothing wrong. Okay. So, for example, um, it's basically like your pain receptors are over receptive. So, mm. and like this is a really random symptom, but I often get like um, I call them like uh, phantom itches. <laughs> so oh, I'll just right. get like an itch somewhere that there isn't actually. I'm not actually itchy, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, no. Totally and this is you. only something that I realised was a symptom recently, um, because what it is is your brain sending. Um, the signal that there's you know some pain there or something but it, it can manifest as an itch mm. it's so random but I've had that for a long time and I kind of just thought it was normal and everyone got it <laughs> but when I started saying like do you ever get an itch that isn't there people were like what? no <laughs> I was like oh right and then I realized it was actually it was part of my fibro so I, f right. I feel like you know, every month I'm experiencing a new symptom that I didn't realize was connected, but it is connected. So for me now, um, I mean, pff, I mean, we haven't got all day, but <laughs> the list of symptoms is pretty long. I, you know, I, I have a headache every day. Wow. Um, I get a lot of pain in my hips and my glutes, my back, neck. Um, you, with fibromyalgia, you can also be very sensitive to the touch. So, for okay. example, sometimes like even just wearing clothes is mm. very uncomfortable. It feels like someone's like pulling on your skin. 
um so like just one really like random thing that i can't do because my fibro is wear a bra oh wow (laughs) it's so stupid but it just it will instantly just give me a migraine um things like um in the morning your feet are very like cramped up and Mm. they're very like like kind of numb and difficult to walk on that was something that i really uh, recently realized was also a fibro symptom um and like i said before things like um brain fog or you know short-term memory loss yeah um uh, cognitive difficulties um pins and needles dead legs does any of this scare you absolutely i'm terrified to be honest and does it kind (laughs) of um in terms of looking forward to the future is it something that you're worried about will get worse and worse and worse or is it something that just kind of like this is what it is and it will just stay like this forever basically and you just now need to find ways to cope and live with it it really varies because um so for me one of like the big things as well a big way it affects me is my mental health as well Um, yeah I was gonna say if I'm having if I'm having a good mental health day I can kind of rationalize and be like okay this is temporary Mm. I'm you know I'm I'm in pain today but pain is temporary and you know I will be okay and you know on a on a really good mental health day I will kind of believe like I will be able to fix this I will be able to heal this and it won't always be like this Mm. and then on a really bad mental health day it's the total polar opposite and it's very much like oh my god how can I live with this every day for the rest of my life this is like this is hell this is awful this is yeah. going to get worse I'm going to end up in a wheelchair I'm not going to be able to work my husband's going to leave me is that something that like, could happen the wheelchair thing or is that um possibly yeah I mean right. there's a lot of um like I know people with fibro that are and I I try not to compare my experience with other people's but there are people that I know of fibro that have it a lot worse than me in terms of mobility Um, So, for example, they need mobility aids, whether that's like a a walking stick or occasionally like a wheelchair or something like that. Mm. Um, And, you know, I've nothing against that. I feel like if you if you need that, that's what you need. And you just have to do. It's taught me a lot about surrender and like you have to do what you have to do. Yeah. Um, But with the nature of like what I am and what I do, um, that would cause an issue for me of my job because I'm also a personal trainer. Yeah. Um, so I then wouldn't be able to do my that part of my of job. Course, yeah. um, I love getting outside. I love going for walks and yeah. being active. So obviously that would you know be a very big life change for me. So it is scary, but um, yeah, I just try and deal with it the best I can. I'm very very lucky in the sense that I've got a very supportive husband, yeah. and um, you know uh, my mum is really supportive of it as well. And although they don't understand it fully, and they never will because yeah. you never will unless you have it. Of course. Same with any chronic illness, you don't yeah. fully get it unless you have it, right? Yeah. But you know, I'm lucky in the sense that they always do their best to try to understand, and you know, they'll kind of be a bit more. They'll give me accountability on the days where I probably. I'm doing too much, but That's I'm good. being stubborn. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I feel you with that. So with your mental health, do you find um, that it kind of parallels your good and bad days with fibro? Or do you find that your fibro affects your mental health? Or is it your mental health affecting your fibro? Oh, good question. Chicken and the egg, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> um, it really varies. I mean, I've always struggled with my mental health anyway. It's right. um, kind of like hereditary within my family, depression. Okay. Um, but 
it has been worse since having fibro because I mean any even if someone had you know incredible mental health if you give them pain every day of their life they're gonna feel shit yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean so I do think that on my you know like my really bad fibro days my mental health is a lot worse um and I'm I'm not as good at like catching myself and soothing myself and doing the things I know that will help because I you know get into a bit of a hole um but it's just taking it as it comes really and just being kind to yourself um and just you know doing the things that you know are going to help you and really getting to know you as well isn't it it's about really just kind of not ignoring it as scary as that is and knowing that you are not alone which leads me on to my next thing which is what kind of um tips do you have for people who might be going through a potential diagnosis of this or might be feeling quite alone with it in terms of they are convinced that they have fibro but none of the doctors and no one seems to be listening to them or also people who have it what sort of tips and advice would you give them Mm. so if you are kind of like if you feel as though you may have fibro or or just any chronic illness really like I would say keep fighting for someone to believe you yeah like because like what you feel is valid and like you're not making it up because I even I have days now after 10 years of feeling like this where I'm like am I making this up I totally get that is this in my head yes and then I'm like and it's but no I've never seen people talk about that really but I, I definitely know. have days, especially when it's like my, you know, quote unquote, good days. Yes. Um, when I'm like, am I just, am I just being dramatic? Am I yeah. just like, <laughs> is, am I making this up? And I'm like, no, Georgia, you're literally in so much pain. You're yeah. not making this yeah. up. Like, why would exactly. you make this up? So I would just say, keep fighting for someone to listen to you. Um, make them listen. Keep going back. Don't give up because like, it's not just going to go away on its own. Um and yeah so just keep fighting to be diagnosed because you deserve that and you owe that to yourself um a diagnosis won't necessarily make you feel better but at least you know where you stand and you can start looking at things that you can do that might help um for people that have fibro you know whether they're kind of newly diagnosed or have had it for a long time and i'm sure if people have had it for a long time they have maybe found things that work for them but to be honest it's just trial and error yeah like some things work for me some things don't yeah and I mean like oh my goodness I've tried all the things (laughs) (laughs) acupuncture osteo been to chiropractors electrotherapy um, cognitive behavioral therapy cortisone injections (laughs) craniotherapy and of course yoga because that's the thing that everyone tells you to try when you've got a chronic illness yeah they're like Um, oh have you tried breathing (laughs) and getting some more sleep and just you know yes of course i've tried those things oh thank you so much for telling me i didn't think of that literally (laughs) i didn't think of drinking more water thank you so much i didn't think of just having a nap (laughs) of course a nap will just fix my chronic illness of course why didn't i think of that if only someone had told me (laughs) i know it is 
it is infuriating. Um, but so at the same say, time, yes. you can't blame them, can you? Because like they are just, you know, we laugh about it and we joke about it. But really, they are just trying their best and they are probably feeling a little bit lost with how they can help. And so they just want to give some sort of advice and that's all they can think of. So, you know, we joke about it. but It comes know, from really, a good place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it comes from a good place. Um, rest, as I know that's like the shittiest answer that anyone wants to hear. Yeah. Like. But it, we just have to. Um, and I think something that helps me is like not comparing how much I have to rest as opposed to someone that doesn't have fibromyalgia. Because yeah. I used to find myself doing that a lot. And I still do, to be honest. Comparing what I'm doing to someone that doesn't have fibromyalgia is not helpful for my yeah. mental health. And then it makes me feel like lazy, not good enough because I am resting more because I have to. Exactly. Um, and then... Yeah, to be honest, do you know what fibromyalgia has taught me? And this is alongside all the kind of like personal development work that I do as well, is that I have to listen to my body and set boundaries. So boundaries yes. have been like so, so important with myself, with my friends and family, but also within my business. Um, and fibromyalgia has really actually just like give me a bit of a give me a bit of a kick up the butt to <laughs> really implement those boundaries because otherwise, like I'm just not well yeah um, so and if you're not well crucial. you know you can't help anyone else can you you love to help people that's what you do for a living exactly and if you're not well in yourself and I think this goes to anyone who has a chronic illness in whatever job you do everyone's job is all about in some way or another helping other people in some way or another and yeah. so if you can't function and you're not at your best how on earth can you expect to help other people if you're not helping yourself? So the final thing that I want to talk about, because I could go on about this forever, but I'm very wary <laughs> of the time, um, is I just want to quickly ask you, just to kind of wrap everything up, um, just quickly ask you two things. One, how can people get in touch with you? And two, what made you kind of want to come on to this podcast? Because I actually reached out to you to say how much I was loving your podcast and then just mentioned that, you know, if you wanted to have a listen, this was my podcast. And then and then you said, oh, I'd love to come on and talk about my yeah. fibro. So what kind of um, made you want to come on and, and talk about this in terms of beating the stigma of invisible illness and all of that? And how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, of course. So um, if you want to get in touch with me, I mainly hang out on Instagram. So my Instagram is georgiaholiday underscore holiday is spelt with two L's. So that is where I mainly am. And then also my podcast that I mentioned earlier, that's where I kind of share all my juicier, longer content. Um, I do also have a blog on my website as well, um, which is www.gljfit.co.uk. Um, but yeah, so I really wanted to come on to your podcast because I loved the kind of like raw, open, genuine conversations that you're having with people. Um, and I think the first one that I listened to was someone that had chronic migraines. Yes. And I get chronic headaches. So for me, like even because I just assumed, oh, yeah, I get headaches. That's just part of my fibromyalgia. Yeah. But what I actually realized from listening to that episode was oh no actually I have chronic headaches as well mm. like it's not necessarily just part of that and I also realized that I have this thing um where you basically are very sensitive to certain smells which then can trigger headaches as well oh, wow, yeah. so it kind of like helped me realize more about my own conditions That's but awesome. also just helped me feel less alone because there's a lot of people like out there talking about um you know mental health and 
physical health and stuff, but the it seems like a much smaller space for people that are talking about invisible illnesses yes. because it is invisible, right? Exactly, so it yeah. just it feels really important to me as someone living with fibromyalgia that um we raise awareness from it. So exactly. yeah, awesome. that's why I really wanted to come on and talk about it to hopefully help someone else feel less alone because I would have loved to have heard an episode like this you know 10 years ago when I was first experiencing all of those all of that pain and all of the symptoms yeah because I feel like it would have just sped up the, the process exactly and and for anyone listening out there thank you so much for listening to this podcast um if you want to reach out to Georgia I'll pop I'll tag her in the post and I'll, I'll pop her handle, her Instagram handle and her website in the description below. Um, please do come back and join me next time when I'll be talking more um, to lots of other people about different invisible illnesses from chronic illnesses all the way through to mental health. But just remember, you are not alone and you can do this. Thank you so much, Georgia. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening to the latest episode. Now, I encourage you to come and be a part of the community. Have a Cover Unmasked has a private Facebook group, a safe space where you can come and ask questions, be open, share your tips and tricks with others. But overall, be part of a community of like-minded people who, just like you, understand what it's like to live with an invisible illness. For more information on how to be a part of the group, either send me a DM on Instagram at helena.m.mitchell or simply search Have a Cuppa Unmasked on Facebook. So, until next time, stay safe, be kind to one another, and most importantly, remember that you are not alone.